Wow, it's just so great to open God's Word with you as we start a new year. And uh, I don't know how, if you've already done this, maybe this is something you're, you're kind of doing in your mind, or maybe you have a practice of doing this with your family, but generally what happens every year is what happens. You write New Year's resolutions, right? You, you kind of write on a piece of paper the things you want to do better, things you want to stop doing, things you want to start doing. Every year, millions of people make these New Year's resolutions, hoping to spark some kind of positive change in their life. You know, if you Google it, you don't have to look very far, but there's like really popular common ones that seem to happen every year, these kind of reoccurring resolutions. I'm going to give you a couple of them. Tell me if, you know, you don't have to give me a show of hands, but, you know, if any of these resonate with you. The number one, number one, uh, number one resolution every year, can you guess it? Exercise more, right? Exercise more. I've made this resolution every year of my life. For the last 15 years, I need to exercise more. And what's the second resolution? To lose weight. That's why we're exercising, right? That's, these are the number first and second resolutions, most popular resolutions. And if you're like me, usually we break these resolutions. We stumble off the wagon within like week three. Or that's even really good. Sometimes it's even week two. You know, we kind of fall off. Some of the other resolutions is get organized. I want to I get my life on track. I want to get things organized. Other resolutions are to learn a new skill or a new hobby. Maybe to live life to the fullest and try something new. Maybe to save money or, or spend less, less money. Quit smoking or quit drinking or whatever this addiction that holds your body. Maybe it's spend more time with family and friends. Travel more or read more. Either way, these resolutions are all positive. They're all good things. We all should be aspiring to be better, t- better take care of our bodies and better take care of our minds. These are good things. But as followers of Jesus, we are created in the image of God. And there are resolutions or maybe even alignments that need to take place in our hearts, maybe this year, in order to fully live out who God created us to be. And so kind of the question that I've been wrestling with, and maybe even the, the underarching theme of this whole series, is in rather focusing on things we should do or stop doing, What if we focused on who we are becoming? The type of person that God is creating us to be. And maybe realigning our hearts and our lives and our focus and our our purpose under the purpose that God created for us to live. And so we're going to jump into this series called New Year, New You. And we're going to focus a season of focused spiritual growth. And, and I believe this is intentional in alignment with our 21 days of prayer is to get ourselves back in track with who God created us to be. Another title or another subtitle we could be how to become your better version. How to become your better version. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want to become their best version, the best version of their selves. We all want to be the better version of who God created us to be. I don't want you to become my better version. I want you to become your better version, who God created you to be uniquely different. Some even a little bit odd. But the best version that God created you to be. And a, ver- a, a, a phrase that I heard that I've never forgotten, that has kind of stuck with me for almost 20 years, is this phrase, a delight in discipline will take you where desire can't. A delight in discipline will take you where desire can't. And no one likes discipline, right? There's a reason why very few people live a disciplined life, because discipline is hard work. Anybody who has a disciplined life knows that it takes time and intentionality. Nobody likes discipline, but we all have a desire, 
We have this desired outcome, whether it's our desired outcome for our marriage, a desired outcome for our financial future, a desired outcome for our, fo- our, our fitness or our body or what we look like come summertime and we get to put on our bathing suits. You know, we all have a desired look of what our life will look like. But how many people know desire without discipline remains a dream, right? It just remains a dream. In order for that desire to become a reality, we need disciplines in our life. And we have to, time and intentionality. Now, most disciplines stink. They're hard work. They're not fun. But what happens when you lean into a discipline and over time you begin to see change in you? Or better yet, someone else sees change in you. When someone else, when you decide, hey, I'm going to discipline of losing some weight and eating healthy, and, and all of a sudden, after that hard work of choosing a salad over a burger, you start to feel better, or choosing water over soda, you choose to feel better, and all of a sudden, you start to lose a little bit of weight, and somebody comes and says, have you lost some weight? You're looking really good. All of a sudden, next meal, a little easier to choose that salad, isn't it? A little easier to choose that, because what happens is you now develop a delight in discipline in order to take your desire can because when you start seeing the results of your discipline you'd form a delight so it doesn't make that going to the gym is easier but you start seeing and feeling and other people start seeing the results of your discipline you guys following me so this delight and discipline so when it comes that that same practice comes to our spiritual disciplines doesn't it it no discipline seems right no discipline is easy even prayer and, and fasting and reading your bible these spiritual disciplines are hard to do at times but when you start seeing the results of a spiritual life when you start seeing the results of a disciplined life when other people start seeing Jesus being formed in you you develop a delight and discipline to take your desire can't and that's kind of what we're going to talk about throughout this whole series. And so we're going to talk about five disciplines. We're going to talk about the the discipline of fasting today, which is probably one that we haven't talked about a lot. I never even preached on that except for at nine o'clock today. You know, we're going to talk about the discipline of prayer. We're going to talk about the discipline of reading scripture, reading your Bible. We're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of of giving, of living a life of generosity, of serving. We're going to also then talk about the discipline of witnessing, of sharing your story. And my hope is that we won't be a church who just dreams about the type of church we want to be or dream about the type of follower we're going to be but we would actually become disciplined and actually begin to delight in disciplines that will take us where our desires alone cannot are you with me yes all right let's just open a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right in so god we pray that as we open your word it would come alive to us we thank you that your word is not an ancient book of 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 of, of timeless, of, of kind of timely truths, but God, it's timely. It's timeless. It's, it's, it resonates with us today. And so as we open your word, may it resonate with our hearts. May it speak to our lives. May it encourage our spirits. And may we leave this place, God, changed as we grow in you in our faith and in knowledge. And so speak to us, we pray in your precious name. Amen. And so we're going to start today by talking about fasting. And I'm just going to be, we're just going to talk. It's just going to be a conversation. And uh, if you want to follow it, you can go to YouVersion, the Bible app, because I'm going to kind of throw a lot of notes at you. And all those notes are there if you want to kind of, you know, save them for future reference. But we're going to talk about fasting. What is fasting? Why should I fast? And how should I fast? Well, what is fasting? Fasting essentially is saying no to the things we love in order to say yes to the things we love even more. It's saying no to the things we love in order to create space to lean into the things we love even more. It's letting go and leaning in. 
That's what fasting essentially is all about. And there's this beautiful story in the Gospel of Matthew we're going to dive into. Matthew 17, if you have your Bibles, you can go there or you can turn there in your version Bible app. But Matthew 17, Jesus has sent out his disciples to go and minister, to go and, and serve people. You know, Jesus didn't just send his disciples out when he left, but he actually sent them out when he was still with them to kind of train them and mentor them through the process. And so they are out there ministering on behalf of Jesus, and they're seeing people get saved, they're seeing people get healed. It's a beautiful thing. Everything is going well until this, very, this one moment where they come across an instance and they are not able to see the results of it. Something was missing. And I don't know if you've ever had those moments in prayer or moments in conversation where you're praying for someone or even praying for yourself and you just feel like something is missing. You feel like your prayers aren't really reaching heaven. You feel like they're hitting a wall. You feel like you're just not getting that breakthrough that you need in your life. And that's kind of what's happening in this situation. So that's kind of the the scene. And so I'm going to jump right in to Matthew 17, starting at verse 14. It says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. This is a father. He's saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he's had seizures and he's suffering greatly and he often falls into the fire or into water. And this is Jesus now responding to the Father. He's responding to the crowd. He's saying, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Like, this is not the most you know, kind thing that someone could say, especially to a desperate father or a desperate parent. But he's saying, you unbelieving and you perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? He said, bring the boy to me. And, I, see, and then the father says, listen, I brought them to your disciples, but they just couldn't heal them. They, it was, they, they were missing something. Something wasn't working. And then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Now, I find it interesting, there is these two words that Jesus uses to describe the kind of the spiritual state or the spiritual atmosphere of the crowd, of, this, of the moment, in this, in this moment. And he uses two words. He uses the word unbelieving and the word perverse. And, and I kind of want to help bring definition to this and help understand in the context of fasting what is actually going on. And so what does unbelieving mean? It means full of doubt. It means that you are not connected to God. Listen, you, you are disconnected from God. You're not connected to God. You, are, you have doubt. You have, you're, not, you're not full of faith. You're, you're disconnected from God. And, and actually, what you're, just, you're not only you're unbelieving, but you're perverse, meaning you're too connected to the world. So you're, you're disconnected from God. You're not connected to God. And you're actually too connected to the world. You're, 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 you're not allowing the, the faith of God to, to fill your heart, but you're allowing the world, the thoughts of the world, to seep into your spirit and into your mind. And this is what he's, he's kind of calling a spade a spade. He's identifying the problem. How true is this for all of us at time to time? Where we find ourselves where we are not connected to God and we are too connected to the world. Now, I don't know any follower of Jesus who turns this as an as a, as a act of decision, who says, I'm going to turn my back on God and connect myself to the world. But it's, it happens over time, doesn't it? You begin to drift a little bit. You begin to drift from your connection to God. You begin to drift from your prayer life. You begin to drift from your scripture reading. You begin to drift from gathering in church on Sundays. You begin to drift away. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm actually disconnected from God. I'm actually not connected to God, at least the way I used to be. And you realize really quickly that I'm actually, I've allowed the world to seep into my mind. I've allowed the world thinking to seep into my heart. And I've actually allowed their language to become my language. I've allowed their perspectives to become my perspectives. Not God's perspective to become my perspective. I've disconnected myself from the God. And I've connected myself too closely to 
the world. And that's what Jesus is saying in this moment. That's the atmosphere in which Jesus is responding to in the crowd, you unbelieving in your perverse generation. And, and this is the conversation. So all of us are led to this moment where we need to ask ourselves, honestly, am I, what, am I, am I connected enough to God? Am I connected enough? Is there a place in my life where I'm not connected enough? And this is where it's something all of us individually need to have this prayer. And then instead of you know, asking me or asking your spouse or asking your parent or your children, you need to ask the Holy Spirit. And you say, God, is there moments in my life, are there places in my heart where I'm not connected to you the way I should? And then here's what you do. You listen. You allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And He's going to speak to you, not prob- probably not, in the form of an audible voice, but probably in the form of a nudge or an inclination or an idea or a thought. And as soon as you pray that prayer, the very first things that you start thinking about or come to your attention is probably the Holy Spirit pointing his finger and those is the an- that's the answer to your question. And then you have a choice. Do you listen? Do you lean in? Or do you forget and walk away? Right? So, God, is there a place in my heart I'm not connected enough? And then the other question is, hey, God, is there a place in this world where maybe I'm too connected to the world? Is there an area in my life where I'm maybe too connected to the things of this world? And then the same thing, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you what's going on. So Jesus identifies the problems, and now he identifies the solutions. We see that in Matthew 17, 19, he says, when the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? I love how this is done in private. You know, the disciples in public, they're like, team Jesus, this is awesome. This is amazing. And then they get into private. They're like, what the heck just happened? Why couldn't we do it? You know, what did you have that we don't have? And how did this go on? And why couldn't we heal that person? And why couldn't we, you know, all this stuff's going on. And they're having this private conversation with Jesus. And he replies to them, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move, for nothing is impossible for you. And there's so much in this scripture that we can unpack, we just don't have time for. But the next line he says, he says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So we have two issues, we have two problems, and Jesus gives us two solutions. He gives us two responses. So if, 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 if unbelieving disconnects us from God. What does prayer do? Prayer connects us to God, doesn't it? Prayer connects us to God. It's the idea of growing in our faith. It's how our faith is matured. It's how our faith grows. When you spend more time with people, the more you spend with time with, time with people, rather, the more confidence you get in that person or in that thing. The more you know that person, the more you understand their heart, the more you believe in that person, the more you trust in that person. The same is true with God. The more we spend time in prayer with Him, the more our faith is built. Can I tell you, time and intentionality... Time and intentionality, they don't sound very spiritual, but time and intentionality are the two key ingredients to building faith, to building a vision for your life, to building confidence in God. Time and prayer and intentionality in prayer. See, when your prayer life drifts, so too does your confidence in faith. When your prayer life drifts, and every one of us, if you've been following Jesus long enough, you can testify those moments where those moments where I've been in a prayer life, where I was, was connected, I felt connected, my faith was strong, my faith was was fierce, and I could tackle the world. And I've been in those moments where my, but I've been disconnected in prayer, and my faith felt weak, and I wasn't sure how I was going to get through through it. Excuse me. And the second one is fasting. When fasting disconnects us from the world, so if prayer connects us to God, fasting disconnects us 
from the world. It disconnects us from the things of this world. Now, fasting is not fasting is not punishing yourself. It's not serving penance. It's not saying, well, because I'm such a bad person, I need to take away these pleasures or these these things that I really like. That's not what fasting is for. We were created, here's the thing, we were created to rule over the earth. That's when God created the heavens and the earth, created animals, and he created the land and the sea and all this stuff, and then he created Adam and Eve to rule over all that he created in relationship with God. That was the intended purpose, right? So that's the divine design for man, for Adam, for us and as humans. But Adam and Eve lost their dominion. They lost their power. They lost their influence when they fed their appetite. And so they t- when they took a bite from the fruit, and so here's a little rhyme for you. They sacrificed their dominion when they satisfied their appetite. They, they, they sacrificed their dominion to rule over the earth and partner with God to rule over the, the fish and the land and the seas and the animals and when they, sat, when they, when they satisfied their appetite. And so every time we involve ourselves in the things of this world, the things of our flesh, the things that our body longs for, the things that even our soul longs for, we lose dominion over this world. And so if you and I want to get our dominion back, our intended purpose, we have to learn how to, and this is a learn how to, this is a daily discipline, a daily discipline to lean in and put those things aside from time to time. I'm not saying that all things in this world are bad. They, are, they only become bad when they take the priority of God when they take God's place in your life, when they become the things you crave, when they become the things you, 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 learn, you learn, uh, desire, you lean into and learn for. And so sometimes we need to say no to something that we love to say yes to in order to put God first. And that's what, honestly, can I be honest? This is what 21 Days of Prayer is all about. This is what 21 Days of Prayer fasting is really all about. It's, it's setting some intentional side as a church, as a community to put God first to reconnect with God and disconnect with the world and this is something we can all do I'm not talking about hour-long prayer sessions I'm just talking about take five ten minutes 15 minutes every day for 21 days and put God first I tell you I'm gonna promise you it's almost like I can guarantee your life will be remarkably and, and noticeably different if you commit to it if you commit to it you will notice the difference People will see the difference in you. And then all of a sudden this discipline will turn into a delight in discipline. Because you will feel the difference and you will see the difference in yourself. And so I want to invite you, so please make sure you pick one of these up today or tomorrow. Also, you can go on our website. There's a, web, there's a page on our website. You can find it on our homepage. There's a downloadable version of this also as well as other information to help understand what fasting and prayer is all about. So I just know this is something. I know this is a new practice for a lot of us. Myself included, this is a relatively new practice. Fasting is a relatively new practice for me. And so I'm learning in and leaning in just as much as you as we go through this. But I see the value and I can feel the value, especially in the season we find ourselves in. Anybody with me? Come on. All right. So a couple just supporting scriptures of fasting, just to kind of help frame it out a little bit. There's a, uh, Matthew 9, 14. John, uh, John's disciples come to Jesus and ask him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? There's this interaction with John's, John the Baptist's disciples. And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away, then they will fast. And so what do we see here? Jesus, we're seeing Jesus is endorsing fasting as a spiritual discipline. 
Jesus is endorsing fasting as something as his, that his followers, almost an expectation that his followers. This is not a commandment. There's no commandment that thou shalt fast, right? You don't see that in the Bible. There's no commandment that says thou shalt abstain from food for a certain amount of time. Jesus modeled it. You know, he had his 40 days of fasting when he went to the wilderness prior to his ministry, but he never commanded it. However, we can see in this moment that there's a sense of expectation, though, that as followers of Jesus are going to fast and pray in his absence. We see this also how it played out in the first church, the first century church in Acts 13. It says, while they were worshiping or while they were praying and fasting, while they were connecting with God and disconnecting from the world, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them to. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. You see, so they gathered together. The early church, Jesus has now ascended into heaven and they were, they were fasting and they were praying. They were hearing from God. They were getting a vision from God and they implemented what God spoke to them and how God led them. Everything they did was coded in fasting and prayer. And here's a great honest question. What would our lives and what would our homes look like if instead of just making decisions based on our knowledge, we made decisions based on the Spirit leading us through fasting and prayer, we actually sought the will and the plan of God? Would we save ourselves from a little bit of heartache? Would we save ourselves from a little bit of, of struggle along the way? I'm not saying that a, a life of Jesus is an ease-filled life, but I'm just saying when we follow God's plan for our life, we eliminate maybe some of the hardships that we set ourselves up for by not following God's plan or taking the long way around. We also see that Paul endorsed it in pursuing a faith-filled life. We know that Paul was someone who experienced hardships of many kinds, and we see that in, in 2 Corinthians. He said, in weariness and in toil and in sleeplessness, in hunger and thirst, and in fasting often, in cold and darkness. Listen, we know that Paul, if you read this, read this whole verse, he faced hardships and struggles along the way, but Paul knew the only way that he was going to keep Jesus first in all of his hardship is to separate himself, disconnect from the world, and commit his life to Christ in through fasting and prayer. It's how we survive. It's how we lean and live through hardships and struggles. See, the tension and the stress, the anxiety and the feelings of purposelessness for most of us are really a connection problem. Either we're not connected enough or we're too connected to. Either we're not connected enough to God or we're too connected to the world. And this connectionless problem creates the stress and the anxiety and the tension that a lot of us feel every day. And so, here's the thing. You and I are the only creations, humanity are the only creations that are built with body, soul, and spirit. Right? A tree is a body. A tree is, is, is the body. We see the body of a tree. We see a plant. A plant. It's, it's the body. Right? There's no soul or spirit in a tree. We see an animal. An animal though, has a body and a soul. Right? We see a dog. We, you can see the emotions in a dog. If you or have an animal, you can see their, when they're tag whales and they're happy and when they're, when they're sad or, they're, or, you get, or they feel like they're in trouble. Their tail goes between their legs. You see that there is a soul in a dog. Do we know if dogs go to heaven? I don't know if all dogs go to heaven. I'm pretty sure cats don't, but I'm, maybe dogs do. Right? But they have a soul. We know they have a soul. But humans, you and I, we're the only ones created by God who have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so we need to operate 
in such a way. We don't live just with our body, our, our, our urges and our inclinations of our body or, or our emotions by our, our, our soul, but we actually are led by the Spirit. See, what does the body do? The body connects, your, connects yourself to yourself. It connects us to ourselves. It's, it's how I feel about myself. It's how I, it's how I see myself. It's my self-conscious and I'm self connected. It, it, it speaks to my appetites and my desires, my lusts and my greed, the things that my soul, my body craves, right? Those, those things that I want, the base level cravings. It's, it's how I stay connected to me. And if you're here today and you have a self-connection issue where you are craving appetites and lusts that are taking you away from God, then maybe you need to fast body things and realign your, and bring submission to your body, to your Spirit. That's why fasting food is a very common, popular one because a lot of us have these earthly, bodily cravings that we need to subside, we need to realign under the Spirit. The, the, the soul, rather, connects us to others. The soul connects us to others. You are what makes me feel happy. You are what makes me feel sad. Emotions are always connected to others. It's the emotions of anger and jealousy and envy and anxiety. All these emotions that affect our soul and plague our soul. It's what we feel every time you open social media. That's what you're feeling. Your soul is just being either invigorated with life or drained with death. You know, like that's what social media is doing because it's feeding our soul. It's taking away from our soul. And if you have an unhealthy connection to what other people think, you you have an unhealthy connection to other people's opinion, then maybe you need a soul fast. You need to cut ties and realign your soul to your spirit. And our spirit, rather, then connects us to God. Our spirit connects us to God. And one of these is always the strongest in you right now. Your body, your soul, your spirit is the strongest in you right now. One of them is in charge. Two of them are under submission to the one. And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the one you feed the most. You wonder which one's the strongest in you? It's the one you feed the most. You know which one's going to win in a battle when when temptation rises? It's the one you fed the most that week. Your body, your soul, or your spirit. You see, when we fast and pray, our, 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 our body and our soul weakens and our spirit is strengthened. Romans 8 is all about fasting and praying. And it actually speaks to the person who is not controlled by the, by the flesh, but actually someone who's controlled by the Spirit. And what it's like to lead of a life controlled by the Spirit. We don't have time to get into it, but you can mark it later and read Romans 8, understand that we're body, soul, and spirit. And what does it look like to live a life led by the Spirit? You see, an immature person or an unbelieving person is body, soul, spirit. This is like our children, right? Our children want what they want. Their body wants this, right? And then we start thinking about the opinions of others. And then maybe we think about the opinion of God. And that's the immature way. And truthfully, can we be honest, a little bit honest? That's still how a lot of Christians operate. I'm going to think about me first. Then I'll consider others. And then maybe if there's room, I'll consider what God wants. And that's how we live our life. But it's not the plan for you. That's not the alignment that God designed when he created you. This is the alignment that God created you, that you were led by the Spirit, that you're connected with God first, and that you use that connection to to serve others, right? To love others, to care for others, 
to look after others, to be formed by others in order to do the work of the ministry through your body, to use your body as a vehicle, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is the order which we as followers of Jesus need to aspire to live, to being led by the Spirit. And I know for me, it does not happen, in, uh, it doesn't happen accidentally. <laughs> it happens intentionally, through time and effort. And so what am I asking you to do? Well, here's three things I'm going to ask you to do and how we should plan for fasting. Because I really want to encourage you for these 21 days of prayer, when we start on, Janu- on Jul- January the 10th, that we all as a church commit to fasting something. We fast something through this time and through this time of prayer, the season of prayer. So how should I fast? One thing I want you to do as you perfectly consider this week. One is set an objective. Set an objective. What do you want to accomplish in this month? What do you long, who do you long to become? What's the desire for your life? What's the desire for you as a husband or a mother or a father or a parent or an employee or a boss? What's your desired outcome as a spiritual person in our community, as a follower, follower of Jesus? State your, your desire. Who do you long to become? What do you long to experience in this time of prayer? Do you want to hear from God? What do you want to know? State your objective. Set your objective. Objectives. And here's a few that you can, you can take for you. The computer just crashed, but that's okay. Here's a few you can take. One, you can, ask for, you can declare your dependence on God. This is one of the objectives you can do every day. Declare, declare your dependence on God. God, I need you today in my life. You need to ask for forgiveness. It's a the brand new year is a great opportunity for a fresh start, isn't it? It's a great opportunity for a fresh, fresh start. Do you know that December is the most self-indulgent month in the entire year, right? It's the most self when your soul and your body get everything it craves, right? And your spirit is like wasting in the wilderness over <laughs> here. This is an opportunity to kind of get things realigned, to ask for forgiveness, to look for a fresh start. It's an opportunity to focus on the eternal. It's an opportunity to focus on the things that actually really matter. It's an opportunity to invite the presence of God in our life and reconnect to, and get close to God and get close to His scriptures and get close to the heart of God. And lastly, it's an opportunity for us to believe for answered prayers to specific needs. Real needs and real things that are going on in your home and your family and your own life that you need God to answer your prayers. And this is an opportunity. These are some objectives you can set in this time of prayer. Secondly, you need to decide what type of fast you want to do. Now, Jesus modeled the 40-day complete fast, and, there, and you can do that. And, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing that unless you kind of you know, tell somebody and you have a plan and you have a doctor. Maybe if you, you, know, you, have, you have to make sure you do that well. But you can also do a partial fast where you maybe part, sacrifice or, 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 or fast rather a meal or a type of food or when you eat. You can do a, a Daniel fast, which is like sacrificing meat, uh, meat, sweets, and treats. You know, you kind of give away all those kind of things. Or you can even do a soul fast where you're just turning off social media, turning off the news, turning off the things that suck your life and suck your soul and just allow the Holy Spirit to rejuvenate your heart. But on our website, if you go to the website, at theharborchurch.com, on, down the page you'll see 21 Days of Prayer, and that'll take you to a page that outlines the different, t- the different types of fasts that you can choose, or just Google one. There's so many types of fasts that you can engage. But I'll encourage you to do something. Fast something. And the last thing is expect results. Expect results. Expect that God is going to speak and move in your life, that you are going to be a different person by the end of it. You get what you expect. I'm going to close with this. Isaiah, Isaiah 58 
is a whole chapter that is on fasting. The whole chapter is on if you fast God's way, then. If you fast God's way, then. And here he outlines these three thens that we can expect as we live a life or pursue a life of fasting. Here's what he, he says. Then your light will break forth from the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. So if you fast today, you can expect healing for your body. If you go into fasting and prayer, that's something, that's one of the things you can expect that God will heal you, that you can lean into and pray, God, I want healing for my mind, healing for my soul, healing for my body. I need healing in my relationship. I need healing in my finances. God, I need healing in my life. The second then is then you will, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Listen, when you put God first in fasting, you will learn how to walk a righteous life. You will choose to do things that God will do. You will live a life that is set apart or a life that is holy, that, that God designed for you and I to live. This is a promise of God. The second, the last one is then you will call and the Lord will answer and he will, your answer will cry for help and he, and he will say, here I Am. And so I believe with my full heart, as we go into the season of prayer and the season of fasting, we can expect healing, we can expect holiness, and we can expect help. We can expect these things as we lean into and fast God's way by disconnecting from the world in order to reconnect to God. And I don't know anybody who doesn't need a little healing. I don't know anybody who doesn't need a little help in walking in holiness. And I don't need anybody, no, don't know anybody who needs a little help from God in living a life that follows after Him. And so, this is the invitation, church. To set time aside. To not just dream about the type of person we want to be or dream about the type of follower of Christ we want to be, but to delight in the disciplines that will take us where desire can't. That's my prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You so much that Your Word is alive. And God, that you invite us into this journey of following after you. And God, we recognize that there are things that we can just seep, that we can just be pulled, that our, our attention, our focus can be pulled aside. And God, today we just state our attentions that we want to live a life that reflects you, that leans into you, that puts you first. And so, God, we pray that as we start this journey, as we prepare for this, this, this month of just uh, of prayer and even fasting, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our lives, that we would grow in our knowledge and grow in our faith and grow in our, in our expectation of you. That we would be the type of people that you've created us to be. That we would not sacrifice for the, for, for the fraud or for, the, for the, the ornamental, but, God, we would lean into the fullness of who you created us to be. And we would do this with joy in our hearts. Speak to us, all of us, individually, even today and throughout this week. Encourage us, challenge us, and I pray, God, that you would use us for your glory. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to just speak a blessing over you before you dismiss. And I do believe that we serve a God who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That the list of ideas and dreams and aspirations that you even write for yourself pale in comparison to the dreams and goals that God has for you. And so now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, within you, to him be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. We pray this in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great, great Sunday. God bless.